man who wrote those songs, I know him. Uh, life, life has been hard. A couple things on him too, but well, I tell you what, it always amazed me. I asked him how he could write those songs. He said they're just in his head. Uh, he said they were just there. Poof. I mean, it's like man. I said I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, some people take your Bibles, go to uh, Luke chapter twenty-four. Luke chapter twenty-four. Just need to read a couple verses this on. Testing one, two, three. I don't want anybody to say it's not on. I don't want to get the signs and wonders back there. Man, it was really good today in Sunday school class. Jerry has a little bell that he rings one minute till. Uh, I, I'm supposed to quit at 11:50 or 10:50, which makes it rough. But he's got this little bell, so at 11:49 he rings the bell. He actually forgot the bell this morning. <laughs> I had to remind him. I said, Jerry, did you read that? What's up with the bell, man? Then he rang it. Luke 24.1, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there came, uh, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found a stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were uh, much perplexed uh, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, uh, and they were afraid." And bowed their face, uh, down their faces to the earth, and, and they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how I spake unto you uh, when you were yet in Galilee, uh, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulchre, and told all, those, all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest, and it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, uh, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher and stood down, and stooping down, he beheld the linen cloth laid by themselves and departed, Wondering in themselves at the thing at that which was come to pass. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for those songs. Thank you for everybody that came out. Lord, just thank you for an opportunity this week, Lord, to just get a little bit more uh, closer to you. And Lord, uh, pray to give Dr. Peacock exactly what he needs for his church this morning, but Lord, also that you give him what we need this week. Uh, Father, we need uh, something uh, just a little bit more from you, uh, Lord, to keep us going these last days. Lord, bless the message this morning. If there's anyone in the room, Lord, that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that you'd show them that today. Uh, Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, just show us that, uh, Lord, we're getting ready to start revival. Uh, Lord, revival means to be revived. Uh, Lord, not necessarily always dead, sometimes just mostly dead. Uh, Lord, but I just pray that you'd wake us up and help us to smell the, uh, the smelling salts. And, and Lord, that uh, you'd help us just go a little bit further. You went a little bit further in, in the garden that day. Lord, all we need to do is just go a little bit further with you. And, and Lord, bless the message this morning. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated if you would. Peter, uh, that last part of that verse got to me. I was thinking, I was reading my Bible and said, Then Peter, then arose Peter, verse 12, and ran into the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at, at that which was come to pass. Now, if you go to verse 13, and it says, And behold, two of them... Uh, went the same day to a village called Emmaus, uh, which was from Jerusalem about uh, three, three score furlongs. And, and they talked together uh, of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass, while they communed together 
and reason. Jesus himself drew near and we're with him. I sit there reading that passage and I said, what a strange passage, two passages. Peter runs to the sepulcher and, and as soon as it says he sits there and he's wondering, it immediately shoots off to the two on the road to Emmaus and Jesus pops up over there. I was thinking about Peter. Peter sits there, Peter's got a bad rap about a lot of things, and, he, and, and rightly so, he deserves a bad rap, probably, but he's just like all of us. He always was. He's like me. I was sitting there reading that thing. I said, what was Peter wondering about? He was wondering about some things, and then I said, well, I might put yourself in his place and, and see what you were thinking. Back in Mark, Matthew 14, 29, and, and he said, watch it, I'm going to read this. He said, and he said, come, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. And and he started sinking. And Peter was sitting there, and, and if I was at that tomb that day, and, and you know it was an interesting thing? The door opened to the tomb, but Peter didn't know how to get in. You know what's wrong with most people? The door is hung at Calvary, and it is open wide, but most people don't know how to get in the door. They have no idea. At this point, Peter didn't even realize the door was open. He didn't understand anything, but the, the stone was rolled away, and the door was wide open in front of him, but he couldn't even see the door. Back in Matthew 14, 29, he steps out of the boat and he starts walking. You think that's pretty impressive, but the Lord says down in verse 31, when he started thinking, oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter, why'd you doubt? You know, Peter started, he was one of these guys, man, he got rebuked for just about everything. Uh, you know, in life sometimes, life rebukes you, and you got to get used to that thing. You just got to get used to being rebuked. Uh, you need to understand a good rebuke is good to have every now and then. Uh, if you're so sensitive, that you can't handle an honest rebuke, there's something wrong with you. I like a good rebuke. I haven't found too many people to give me a good rebuke. Not like I used to get. My dad was the best rebuker I've ever seen in my life. He was a good rebuker. He could rebuke you the best. I mean, he, there was, I have never even seen it. Admirals are good rebukers, but not like my dad. I was under the trailer one time working with my dad. I told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I was under the trailer, and trailers are usually insulated pretty good. You can't hear it. My dad's in the kitchen working. I'm under the trailer working around the kitchen area, and his friend walks up to the back door of the house way back on this side, and dad yells for me, and his friend, not my friend, dad's friend, starts yelling back at him. Well, my dad thinks it's me, but it's not me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Have you ever been blamed for something you never did? And then you get in trouble for something that you never did you got blamed for? I mean, this day, now there's a lot of things I did that I, I didn't never get caught for or, or I got blamed for. And, but this day, I mean, I did nothing wrong. And uh, then they start getting into this yelling, screaming match. And my dad can cuss with the best of them. And he was cussing and the other guy was cussing. He should have knew that was not me because I didn't cuss like that. But he didn't care, man. He, once he got mad enough, he did not care anymore. Somebody is going down. So he comes to the back door and he realizes that his friend is sitting there, but he don't care. He moves on past him, drags me out from under the trailer, chews me up one side, like we're five miles away from home. He makes me walk home, fires me, tells me I'm everything but human. I couldn't even get a word in edgewise. I walk home. Next morning, he comes waking up. Hey, boy, get out of bed. We got to go to work. I said, but you fired me. He said, hey, yeah, but that's yesterday. Today's today. I mean, <laughs> brother, you know, sometimes you got to get rebuked even when you didn't do anything wrong. You need to learn how to suck it up. Peter, boy, he starts right here, man. Walking on water, you think, well, that's impressive. At least I got out of the boat. Yeah, but you don't have no faith, you bonehead. Number two, what would Peter be wondering about there? If I was sitting there, I would have to look back at my life. I know he ran to the sepulcher when he found the body was gone. 
And he never got to say, I'm sorry. He never, ever got a choice. I mean, he's sitting there. He's done some things bad. The Lord is gone now. He doesn't know the door's there. He doesn't have no idea it's there. He's probably standing right in front of him. He doesn't even know. He just doesn't know. And he's sitting there trying to figure out, what can I do, man? The guilt load is all on top of him, and he can't do anything. I mean, he's, what is he wondering? I mean, what would I wonder? I would wonder. I, I, when I start wondering, man, I go way back. My mind can wander off. It'll probably wander off in the middle of this message. You sit there and start thinking about that thing, and you start thinking about all the stuff that, how do you feel? That first song they sung, do you know how you feel? I know how I feel. I feel pretty good today. I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm on my way to heaven, all because a man did something for me 2,000 years ago. How do you feel? Did you ever find that door that's hung at Calvary? I did, man. I mean, I didn't even know the door was there. I knew of the door, I just didn't know it was there for me. Number two, uh, nine, uh, Luke 9.46, it says this. Then there arose reason among themselves, which should be the greatest. Boy, I tell you what, here you got 11, you got 12 apostles, one of them's a devil. He already knows he's not the greatest. Well, he thinks he's the greatest devil. But the other 11 are sitting there thinking, I'm better. Have you ever been around people that just compare themselves with each other? I mean, I don't, I don't compare myself to nobody. Uh, I don't know of anybody I could compare myself to. I can't find anybody that low. I, keep, I, I tell you, bro, that's the way I think of myself. I think of myself down here somewhere. Uh, everybody else is out there in, in, in la-la land, and I'm just a nothing kind of guy, and, and I'm okay with that. But I, I can talk to the Lord. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, that's pretty impressive. He goes, he goes, how do you think you got there? If you're always trying to run around and, and follow everybody else's lead, you're always following early. Why don't you just follow mine? You know, I had to learn that lesson a long, long time ago. I'd rather follow Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have him. You can keep all the rest. You know what? Peter's in there all debating which one's the best. Which one's me? I'm better. I'm a better preacher than that person. Really? Are you? I don't know. Maybe you are. I like the way Jesus answers, whosoever shall receive this child. He brings this little kid in front of him, little baby in front of him. I was back here looking at Wally a little while ago, and he looks at me and goes, <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that, but he kept, <laughs> Sarah had to take him out. On the way out, he's looking at me going, <laughs> and slob all running down his face. <laughs> you know, isn't it amazing that the Lord would choose something like that to bring up and says, whosoever shall receive this little child, this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, you all, the same shall be great. You know how you get great? You become least. I, I was in Sunday school today. You know what Rebecca did? She was running all over the place. Run, 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 run. Not expecting to get anything. Not desiring to get anything. It said four times in that passage, she hasted, she ran, she hasted again. She, I mean, ran, ran, ran. All she was doing is getting water for a bunch of camels. Never asked to get water for the camels. Eliezer just asked her for a drink. But Eliezer already prayed. He said, hey, if, if Lord, if I ask for a drink, and then she says, I'll give your camels a drink. Ten camels sitting there, and she gives water to those camels. She never thought one thing about getting golden bracelets. She never thought one thing about getting married to Isaac. She didn't even know. You know what she's doing? She's just having fun. I've got a pitcher. I can get water. I can draw. You can't. Let me do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day, man. The sun is out. It's shining. It's warm. I got something to do, and I'm going to do it for God. I bet you that girl was doing everything for God. You say, why? I told her, I said, you never, God will never call you to do anything if you aren't already doing something. 
You better get busy. You know what you need to do is learn how to work. Work is good, man. I like work. You know what Peter did? Peter was a fisherman. He's a worker, man. But he had to get some good rebukes in his life, a lot of them. Number three, Peter's sitting there. What else would he be wondering about? Like, man, the Lord, he told me this, and he goes, he, he rebuked me when I was walking on the water. And he did this, he did that, and you get some bitterness in there. Peter speaks out on the Mount of Transfiguration. He just blurts some stuff out. I mean, here's Moses and Elijah, and Jesus gets transfigured in front of them, and they're all like white and everything else up there, white clothes, and they're just... And the, the, uh, God, the Father, says, in my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Peter asks, just open his trap. Boom. Let me make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. That's about like as stupid as you could get. Number one, why would he need a tabernacle? Have you, you know, sometimes you get to go someplace and it's just to listen. They don't need your input. I'm seriously, I seriously doubt that Jesus, Moses, or Elijah needed Peter, James, and John's input. All three of those have been there, done that, and they all got the t-shirt. Not only that, God the Father's right above them saying, in my son who I'm up with, I seriously doubt he needs their input. But you just feel like you got to say something. Have you ever, have you realized sometimes you say stuff you should never say? That's Peter. Peter's just that way, man. Blah, 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 blah. And you can't take it back. Peter's sitting at the tomb and it says he departs. And on the way back, he's probably got his head all hung down like this. And he's in there going, Lord, boy, I just, I made, and there's no way to correct it. I just made too many mistakes. You're gone, the tomb, and your body's gone. And I, I can just see him walking back in his mind thinking how bad he was. And all the things that's wrong with him. Here's another one, Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth, Jesus began to show, him of, show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem, just like he just did, suffer many things of the elders of the chief priests, which he just did, and be killed and be raised again the third day, which he just did. Did Peter hear that? No, he didn't. Then Peter took, and again, right out of his mouth, he goes, then Peter took him and rebuked him. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, there's some people that I think got enough a lack of gumption that they would rebuke Jesus Christ. You know, you rebuke him in your life. Your lifestyle will rebuke Jesus. You don't have to verbally say anything. Your actions and your life could rebuke Jesus Christ in a heartbeat. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ one of these days, man. I'm going to stand in the judgment of Christ. I got out of the white throne. But I'm going to stand in front of that judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to look at him. And those pierced hands, I think that he's going to be the only one in heaven with a body with scars in it. And I'm going to look. And I'm going to see the crown of thorns where it was on his head. I'm going to see all the stuff he did for me. But then I'm going to realize exactly what he did for me. I'm going to know what he did for me. I'm going to understand fully what he did for me. Right now, I just see dimly. Then I'm going to see clearly. And he says, Mike, you can see clearly now. Peter is sitting here wandering back from the tomb. I don't have an opportunity to correct any of this. I think he sees a lot of stuff where he was wrong, but he, he just didn't get it. These times, he never seen it. You know, the Lord says right here, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Brother, we're getting ready to go into revival. You know, some of us are an offense unto Jesus Christ. All you have to do is listen to what you say. I'm telling you all, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm a technician by trade. This saying is the worst saying that you'll ever have if you can't control your mouth. Because Facebook, Twit face, and all that other stuff they got out there, everybody has to just say what they want to say and just bleh. I sell stuff on uh, Marketplace, and just to get to Marketplace, I see some of the stuff people write, and I'm like, they, they got to be out of their minds, man. 
to say that kind of stuff. If you want to say that stuff, go face to face to the person and say it. Don't ever put it out there on that garbage. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Calls Peter Satan. Satan's probably, Peter's probably walking back from the tomb. Man, he yelled at me. You ever been yelled at? <laughs> he yelled at me when I was walking on the water because I started sinking. He said, he's always against me. He's always against me. He's always against me. He's never on my side. Then we just having a kind of little discussion about who's the greatest, and he slammed us there. And then, then right here, man, I, he was going to go get killed. He said he's going to get killed. I didn't want to get him killed. I said, I know you won't. He called me Satan. I'm the devil. <laughs> Could you imagine Peter walking way back from that tomb? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things, those that be of men. You know why the Lord would call you of the devil? I called that guy the devil the other day, yesterday. I said, you're the wicked devil, man. <gasps> no, he goes, they told me. I said, who are they? He goes, well, I died. And I came back to life. But while I was gone, they, they told me I need to go tell everybody my story. I don't want to hear your story. I mean, if it has to do with Jesus Christ, yeah, let's do it all over the place. But if you don't have nothing to say about Jesus, keep your story to yourself. It means nothing to me. How am I going to get edified in that? <laughs> I got my own story. You want to hear mine? <laughs> you probably don't want to hear mine. Let me tell you some sailor stories. I'll get you sick after a while. Then Peter resists Jesus. Peter saith unto him, he's going to wash his feet. Now I'm telling you what, brethren, you, we got to get to the place in life when Jesus said it, that's just good enough. Whatever you say is cool, man. I'll do whatever you say. I don't have to understand it anymore. I don't, I don't need to understand anything. If the Lord says it and I can understand exactly what he says... Uh, I, you waste time. You waste time by trying to figure the thing out. You don't need to figure it out. You just need to do it. That's the whole thing. Why? Well, you know, if I do this, if I do that, if I you'll talk yourself out of it. And then you won't have any stories down the road. I like stories. Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Well, Peter, maybe your feet stink. Maybe they need to be washed. Peter says, no. You know what Christ told him? If I wash thee not, that has no part with me. Now, Peter gets the thing right here, and he says, wash my feet. But boy, can you just think of the audacity of looking at Jesus Christ? And say, I mean, he knows what's best. You know he knows what's best for you and me? Amen. He's not going to do something to us that is not the best thing for us. We keep trying to say, no, I know better than you. You know why we have the problem walking through life like we do? We keep thinking, I know better than him. I can make the choices I need to make, and nobody, Peter's walking back from the tomb, said, boy, I made some bad choices. And I can't, I can't do nothing about it. I can see crying. You ever been in a place in your life where you did something and you knew you couldn't correct it? And you just got to live with it? Peter falls asleep in the, in the garden. <laughs> I got the sleep thing, man. I already know that. You put me anywhere next to the lazy boy or couch or bed, I'm out, man. I like sleeping. Sleeping's cool. I think sleeping is one of the best things in the whole wide world. That's, that's a fun thing for me. I don't get a whole lot of it, but I, I mean, I like going to sleep. I wake up and say, 15 more minutes, Lord. And then I start talking to myself. Shut up. Quit thinking, Elliot. My brain just runs all the time. I need something to shut it down, but it just runs. And I'm sitting there trying to go to sleep. Quit thinking. Quit thinking. Quit thinking. Quit thinking about thinking. You want to quit thinking, thinking, stop thinking. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you had, I did it, I succeeded. Otherwise, I'll just sit there and start running things through my head all night long. I don't like that. But he sits there, he says, and he cometh to, to his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter. Not unto the disciples, he looked at Peter. Here he is to get rebuked again. He says, 
What, couldst thou not watch with me one hour, Peter? Not one. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Lord was warning Peter, but really the one that got most all of them is when he denied Jesus three times. You know, when those ladies came back from the tomb, and they said the stones rolled away. That's a big old stone. I've been over there. And the stone was gone when I was there, but the, it wasn't just rolled away. It was gone. It's a big stone. I mean, this thing is probably this tall and probably about that deep. There was a trough where, and I think that was really the tomb. Uh, a tomb like that just isn't something that's built overnight. It's not like you go over here and you get a, a casket. They throw you in the casket, and then they dig a hole and put a vault in the ground, throw you in the ground. It's, it's much more than that. Uh, it was in a garden, and the garden where the garden was, is, uh, you had to have a, a, some way of watering that garden, and there was a cistern in there that held like a million gallons of water. You could look down in there and still see the water in the cistern. Uh, and, the, and the guy said, that cistern wasn't built overnight. That thing has been there for long. This garden has been here for a long time. And, and the tomb was hewn out of the side of a mountain there, and it was cut in, and, and the, this rolled, the stone would roll down this trough across that tomb entrance right there where Joseph was. And so that was a rich man's tomb. That wasn't, a, that wasn't just a place where you're going to go find a cave and throw somebody in. Now, that thing was made by somebody for somebody, and it took some time to do it. And Joseph had that thing made. There wasn't any place like that in Jerusalem anywhere. That's a nice tomb. That was probably the best one in Jerusalem. And, and I, I went in that thing and seen that thing. And Peter looked in that. Ladies went there and seen the body's gone. They come back and tell him. And Peter runs to the tomb. And he hears that the Lord is gone. And he still hasn't got it in his mind yet that he's risen from the grave. But he gets there and he, he's sad in his heart. And he can't do what he needs to do. Have you ever felt, you know what revival is? Getting to a place where you realize you can't do what you got to do. But he can. You got to get to the place. Peter's not there yet. And he walks back from that tomb. And he's, I could just see him walking back. Broken hearted. He's got to walk back to the, the 11, the other 10. The, Judas is already gone. And he's sitting there thinking about all this stuff that he did. Have you ever thought about the stuff you ever did? Do you ever even think about the stuff you did wrong? Man, I did. Boy, I'm sure glad I got Jesus Christ. Peter didn't have that that day. Then... Peter's walking back, and you think, well, why does Jesus treat him such? Verse 13. And behold, two of them, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Two of them went on the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three, three score furlongs. And they talked together those things, all the things which had happened. And it, it came to pass while they were communing, or they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. It says, and behold, and their eyes were behold, or were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these which ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? You know, Jesus cares if you're sad. He cares if, if you're hurting inside. He cares. He really does. A lot of people, we think sometimes we get to a place where Jesus just don't care no more. No, 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 no. He always cares. Jesus always cares, always cares. And he goes, why are they walking? You said, and, and he already knew all the answers. You're not going to hide nothing from him anyways. But, and, they, and, the, and the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said, what things? Now, he has just went through a crucifixion. He is just, he's got, but they don't know that. I mean, he could probably still see the scars in his hand, but 
He can make himself look like whatever he wants to look like, and they could not tell who he was. And their, their eyeballs, they just, they seen somebody totally different. Just like Mary in the, in the thing, she thought he was the gardener. She didn't know it was Jesus Christ. And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a mighty prophet, in de- mighty indeed, and, uh, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. They were looking for the wrong thing. He goes, and besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which, uh, went, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came and said that they had also, or they had seen, uh, or they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. He said, haven't you heard? He goes, this thing, this is, we've heard all this stuff, and all this stuff happened to him, and, and they're going through trial, and Jesus is sitting there just listening to him. He starts talking to him and goes through all this other stuff. And I was sitting there listening, and I started reading. I kept finishing, because I had to read, finish chapter 24, and I got down to verse 31. Go to 31. And he walks a long distance with these guys, and, and then all of a sudden he starts talking to them. And brother, I'm telling you what, this book is the most precious book you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> you'll start reading this thing and it'll start talking to you, man. And your little heart will start burning inside, man. And your ears will start, the hair will come up on the back of your head. And all this stuff will start happening and you start reading this thing. You know, these guys, they were sitting there just an ooh and an on, and they were listening to him because now he's not no, no more Jesus, the son of man. He is the son of God walking on this planet. It's God manifested right there in front of them. He's the king of kings and lord of lords walking right with them. And the words he speaks is just burning their hearts up. I mean, there's a joy that's going down in these two men's souls so far down. They just, they're about ready to bust on the side of that road. And then he comes up to where they're going to get off and go to the house and stay there for the night. And Jesus is going to walk on. You know, if you don't want him around, he won't be around. You gotta want him to come in. You gotta want him. If you want him, guess what? He's gonna come in. But if you don't want him, he's just gonna go on. I don't care how much you get out of this book. I don't care how much you read. I don't care how much you think you know. If you don't want him there, he won't be there. But boy, if you want him there, (laughs) oh man, if you want him there, you you got something coming. These two guys said, hey, why don't you come on in and spend the night with us, man? It's, it's getting dark. And, and he said, and they were in there, and, and they were getting ready to eat. I could see the table, man. It's probably a long table, just like the last supper table. And Jesus is probably right there in the middle of them, and they don't know it. And they're probably all around that table just sitting there. And, and, and uh, I mean, he knows what's going on, and he just says, oh. he says, Father, watch this one. He picks up a piece of bread, and he breaks it right in front of them. And it says, and their eyes were open." And they knew him. Why? They've seen it before. I've seen that. Whoa, that's him. And he says, and he vanished right out of their sight. Just gone. And then they go on. They said, and they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And he opened up unto us the scripture. I started thinking about Peter there. And I said, here's old Peter, man. He's back there walking back sad and and the very next verse, it says, and they rose up the same hour. I mean, they were lit up. They didn't care about nighttime anymore. I'm, whoa, we got to go back and tell the apostles, man. And they get up and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, verse 33, and found the 11. Peter's with them. 
He's right there with the 11. It's 11. It's 11 apostles. They found him together and said of them that were, uh, uh, were with them uh, together and them that were with them. So there's others saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. You know, Peter was walking back from that tomb. And before verse 15 popped up and it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus showed himself up somewhere between the end of verse 12 and verse 15. Jesus met Peter on the way back to the 11. And he sits there and goes... Peter, Peter said they're walking, probably broke it. The road to Emmaus, they didn't get him for another three verses. You know where he's at? He's over talking to Peter. He says, Peter, I know you messed up. Me and you together, just me and you, nobody else. It's a personal, personal repentance, personal acceptance back. The Lord Jesus Christ is sitting there saying, Peter, come on, man, Peter. Peter looks up at him like, Lord, Sorry, man. Lord said, I know you are. I told you you were sorry your whole life, man. Did I tell you all through the book you were sorry? <laughs> Did I chew you out for everything, Peter? I see him with a smile on his face. Peter's sitting there just trying to figure out how to get back. <laughs> Lord, I don't know how to get back. He goes, you don't have to get back, Peter. I'm here, right in front of you. Take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians. You know, they, they, Peter's sitting there. <laughs> He gets a hold of Jesus Christ, man. And Christ comes up and starts talking to him. The Lord Jesus Christ. How did these men on the road to Emmaus know that Peter saw Jesus? The Lord had to tell them. Before he vanished out of their sight, he goes, hey, I already seen Peter, by the way. I went and told Peter. So that's, they jump up and they said, we got to go see Peter, man. We got to go tell him what we just seen. I mean, Peter needs to hear what we just seen. You know what? Out of the mouth of two witnesses... Peter runs back after the Lord lifts his heart up and receives him back in. Later on over in John, he has to pick that thing back up in front of everybody now. He has to be brought back in. The Lord already forgave him. But the other brother, you know what's wrong with us? We stink and won't forgive. It takes an act of God to make us forgive sometimes. Peter over in John chapter 21 had to sit there in front of everybody three times. The Lord said, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, you know I love you. Yeah, but they don't. You know what's wrong with us? I'll tell you why you need to revive it. I'll tell you why you need to be here every night this week. Because you need to get some of that wickedness out of your heart, just like me. Because there's people that needs to be forgiven that you need to forgive. It ain't hurting nobody but you and causing trouble. God had, the Lord has to appear to Peter on the side. Peter jumps out of the boat, man. He's the first one out of the boat. He's swimming back, man. He gets up on shore. He's right at Jesus' feet. That's where we all should be. The Lord wants Peter to be the number one guy for them guys. So he has to lift him back up. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. You know, none of the apostles got this thing, man. How, oh, uh, Paul got it. Paul's cool, man. I like Paul. Paul's about as cool as you can get. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm in Romans. Romans won't work. Although Romans is good too. 15. The Gospels, uh, verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. You know, unless you know you're a sinner, you can't get saved. You can't just say, I'm going to let Jesus in my heart. For what? You need to know you're a sinner. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
was buried, rose again the third day. That's a, that's a death, burial, and resurrection. That's Calvary the third day. And was seen of Cephas. Cephas is Stephen, or is, is uh, Simon Peter. Peter got to see Jesus before anybody else saw him. He got to look at him, man, the Lord, and got forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ before anybody else saw him. Peter runs back, man. He runs back, and, and he goes and tells the 11. The, the other 10 probably thinks he's nuts just like they thought the ladies were nuts. But when these two guys from the road to Emmaus, or however many they came back with him, saying, The Lord is risen and hath appeared to Simon. And they told, uh, and they told what things were done in the way. Man, he was in the way. Oh, he was in the way. Man, and Peter goes, yeah, no, man. I said, I seen him on the way back to, and oh, man, my heart was burning. He was forgiving me. He told me I'm forgiven. He said he'd take me back. You know, if you're in trouble today, he'll take you back. Amen. You know what the problem with a lot? We think that we're, our sin is greater than his grace. It never is. You can never outdo his, outshine his mercy. You can't do it. I'm not telling you to go out and try. <laughs> I'm just telling you you can't. You know, if you're looking for a way back today, the way's already been made. He just said, come on back. He said, get in. He said, you know what, what I liked about this? Peter didn't have to go find him. He found Peter. He went and got him. He went and got him before he got anybody else. He cared about Peter. In the story, you would think that Peter was just left there wondering. And he departs and heads back. And that the next time he appeared, no, he appeared to Peter before he did anybody else. And he said, Peter, are you going to get back in or are you going to just stay down? There's a lot of stuff going to happen, Peter, in the next 2,000 years. You're either going to be part of it or you're not. You know, brethren, we got a lot of stuff that's still ahead of us that we can be part of or we're not. And we either choose, we choose, we choose, we choose what we want. You choose to serve Jesus Christ and let him come in like those two on the road to Emmaus and let him come in. And talk him, and talk him into coming in. They didn't just say, hey, the door's open if you want to come on in, come in. If you don't, that's fine. No, 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 no. They talked him into coming in to spend the night with him. And because they did, they got to see him break bread and just disappear in their sight. But before he disappeared, he said, oh, by the way, I did go see Peter. And he's okay. If you're worried about Peter, don't worry about him. He will be okay. I'm going to take care of him. Boy, I tell you what, somewhere between that tomb and by the time Peter got back, uh, he got lit up, and he got happy, and he didn't quit, and he started getting in, and he found that door that was open, and he jumped through that thing. Brother, you know what we need to do? You got a week here. You got a week, four days anyways, that you need, got an opportunity. We got a wedding coming up on, you know what a wedding is a picture of? Jesus Christ, man. You're going to get a revival, and then you get to see a wedding right at the end of that thing. You ought to be here if you can. If you can. If you can't, that's fine. Uh, but if you can, you ought to be here. You know why? Because you're going to see this thing is going to build up all week long. And at the end of this thing is going to be a wedding. And brother, I tell you what, this is going to be one of the best weddings you will ever see in your life. Because you're going to have one week of revival leading up to this thing. And Dr. Peacock is going to be probably on cloud nine. And he's going to jump from cloud nine to ten. And that, that is going, you're, going, you're talking about a service. You're going to get something that you ain't going to get nowhere else. You'll never see anything like this ever again. Now, when it's over and you say, no, I was wrong, then you can say that then. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think you are. I can see Peter. Lord, I was alone. I was alone there at the tomb. Another, another passage says John was with him, but it said Peter departed. In this passage here in Luke, it gives you the impression that Peter's by himself. And he walks away alone. 
and the world is falling apart, and Peter don't see no way out of it, and he just sees the sadness going on in him and his life, and he doesn't see it. Well, but as soon as the Lord left him, all of a sudden that song popped in his head. I've seen the lightning flashing, I heard the thunder roll. I felt sin's breakers dashing, which almost conquered my soul. I heard the voice of my Savior bidding me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And he didn't, man. He came, he came. I thought he wouldn't, but he did. The world's fierce, fierce winds are blowing, temptation sharp and keen. I have a peace in knowing my Savior stands between. He stands to shield me from danger when my friends are all gone. However it goes, he promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. When in affliction's valley I tread the roads of care, my Savior helps me carry the cross so heavy to bear. Though all around me is darkness, earthly joys have flown, my Savior whispers His promise never to leave me alone. He died on Calvary's mountain. For me, they pierced his side. For me, he opened the fountain, the crimson cleansing tide. For me, he waiteth in glory, seated upon his throne. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. He claimed me for his own. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. Now, by the time he got back to where those other 10 were, Peter wasn't the same as when he left. All of a sudden, now Jesus done energized him. You know what revival does? It energizes you to get you moving. Boy, this world is shot. That guy yesterday was, the world is falling apart. Tell me something new. <laughs> the world's always been falling apart. It's never been together. It was in the Garden of Eden. It's not no more. And it's been going down here ever since. I expect it to go down. When it starts going up, I just know it's going to go down again. It's going to crash. But Peter gets back. And he tells his brothers, he goes, I've seen Jesus, man, on the way. I was here. I was here. Oh, Peter, come on, man. You denied him three times. Get out of here. I mean, I could see him. They just doubted. They doubted everything. And these two guys come, or however many it was on the road to Mass, come in and said, He's right, man. The Lord told him. We've seen the Lord. He broke bread, just disappeared right in front of our face. But just before he left, he said he just talked to Simon. He goes, he did. He talked to me right here. He said he would never leave me alone again, and he won't. Do you ever feel alone? He said he would never leave you alone. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Ever. Ever. You know, when you get down, you get sad, you get out of it, you think, well, Lord, I've done messed up. You haven't. You can't mess up more than Peter. And you can't feel any worse than Peter. But I tell you what, if you want to get back, he'll let you back. You say, well, I don't, know if, I don't know if he'll forgive me. He'll forgive you for whatever you ask him for. First John, he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful just to cleanse us from our sins. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to cleanse us from our sins. Well, whatever it is, it says over, go read it. Go read verse 4, though. 
that your joy might be full. You know what the whole purpose of getting your sins cleansed is that your, your joy is there. You know, this world don't need to see sad Christians. They need to see somebody with a smile on their face. They need to see somebody every now and then get a little hot and get a little mad. Shed a tear for them every now and then. But just stand up and say, Lord, thank you for not leaving me alone. I was reading that story and I thought, man, here's Peter by himself wondering. The next three or four verses, I can see the Lord saying, Peter, got to go now. We've talked long enough. I got a couple guys over on the road to Emmaus. And uh, they're sad too. And I got to get over there. Because I got to talk to them for a while. Are you okay? Peter goes, yeah, Lord, I'm okay now. As he's getting up off the crowd, off his knees, he says, okay, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll see you all here in a bit, but I'll be back. Then he goes on the road to Emmaus, talks to them guys, and he disappears out of their sight. He said something over in John that was amazing. He says, I must go that the comforter may come. If I go not, the comforter won't come. He says, the comforter has to come, and he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know what Peter didn't have and the guys on the road to Emmaus have? They didn't have the Holy Spirit in their lives like we have. I have Jesus with me all the time. He doesn't have to leave me as I'm leaving the tomb to go talk to some people at the road of Emmaus. He can talk to the people at the road of Emmaus and the people at the tomb and you sitting at Revival. He can sit and talk to you right now. Brethren, we got something they ain't got. He gave us something that they just don't have. When he said, I'll give unto thee everlasting life, you know what he said? I'm going to give you every everlasting. I, I told somebody, I said, how long is everlasting? I've been doing this for 43 years. How long is everlasting? They said everlasting. I said, so did you get it? Yeah. How long did you get it for? The next, you, you have to say everlasting, forever. Yeah. And once you say it out of your lips, forever, you know what you do? You throw away all that garbage. You know what he said? I'm not going to leave you. If I was going to leave you, why would I leave you with something that's cheap? He said, I didn't, you didn't get left with nothing cheap. You got the best. Amen. You know what I got for the rest of my life? The best. I got the best of the best of the best of the best. But every now and then, man, I feel like Peter at the tomb. I mess up, Lord. He goes, yep, that's what you do best. My buddy Peter did the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And if he didn't die, he would still be doing it. He goes, but I told him I'd never leave him. I bet you Peter was just livid by the time he got back. You got a problem with Jesus today? You got a problem with yourself? You think Jesus can't forgive you? He can. If you just let him. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, thank you for the story. Lord, thank you that as Peter left that tomb sad, that you knew exactly how Peter was thinking. And Lord, you met him on the way back. Somewhere between 12 and, and 14, 15, you met Peter and talked to him and consoled him and, and welcomed him back in. Uh, just like you'll welcome any one of us. Lord, if there's anyone in the room today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I just pray that they'd come and ask, how could I get saved? For the rest of us, Lord, uh, we're getting ready to go into revival. We don't have to wait till tomorrow, Lord, to start getting that thing right with you. We can do it right now. Lord, touch our hearts. Lord, show us uh, the things that each and every one of us have to get out of our lives. And Lord, give us what you gave Peter back to those 10. And Lord, then give us the joy to tell the others. And Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you. Bless the invitation. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Three. Hymn number 163. <clears throat>